Welcome to the CGOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we are going to talk to John Hodge of Three Down Nation to look back at the first half of the CFL season. You'll also hear from Braxton Kuntz, Manitoba men's amateur champion. As he gets set for the Manitoba Open, he chats with our Kelly Moore coming up on the podcast. Braxton Kuntz of Breezy Bend will be playing in the second straight Centerport Canada Rail Park Can- or Manitoba Open which begins Thursday at Southwood Golf and Country Club. He earned a sponsor's exemption by successfully defending his Manitoba men's amateur title last month at Oak Island. And during today's Manitoba Open pre-tournament news conference, he told our Kelly Moore, shooting four under through 36 holes last year, definitely something he can feed off of this week. It's an accomplishment that I'm really proud of. And, you know, unfortunately, I wasn't able to make the cut, but I was really close, you know, being one shot off. And uh, it just makes me more hungry, like I said, for this year to come out and try and shave a couple more shots off and and finish higher on the leaderboard. Um, I think I've had a lot more experience since last August, both playing in college and competing in this event. So I'm a little more comfortable with the golf course, comfortable with the atmosphere. And it's a really cool, uh, like I said, atmosphere to play in. I mean, with all the fans being out here, um, crowding around the 17th green, cheering you and booing you if you hit a bad shot. You got booed? I don't think I did, but I heard a few guys did. So <laughs> I don't mind it, though. I mean, as long as they're having fun, I'm I'm not too picky. But, uh, yeah, just, just getting comfortable with playing in front of so many people. Um, it was it was a lot of fun, and I'm, I'm excited to, to go out again on Thursday and, and see what I can accomplish. I want to go back to that feeling. You mentioned, you know, you were so close. Five under was the cut line. You were four under. Uh, did you visualize maybe a little bit, boy, when I turn pro, how am I going to handle a scenario like this? Because that's the difference between a payday and... It all slamming the trunk and heading to the next one type of thing. Oh, exactly. I mean, everyone's so good at a level like this that, you know, just one or two shots can be the difference between coming fifth, coming 15th, or making the cut and missing the cut. So uh, it's just being intentional with every single shot on the golf course, not making too many dumb mistakes. I mean, we're always going to make a couple, but, um, yeah, just making sure that you're you're intentional and, uh, yeah, just playing the best you can. I mean, it, it does come with experience. A lot of guys have been out here for a few years now, and, and they're more used to it. Um, but as far as my, my mindset goes, is just, yeah, just being being intentional with every golf shot. I'm not saying that the uh, the unique weather challenges in Manitoba are, uh, are uh, individual to this area, but playing in it as often as you do, I think, has to give you a little bit of a, uh, a leg up, if you will. What are you preparing for for this week? Yeah, you know, uh, other nature-wise, I'm talking about. Yeah, like like uh, like Neil said, the weather's going to change a lot depending on the day. I've already kind of looked at the wind; it's going to change direction every day. Every course, every day, the course is going to play different, and I don't think any course changes more based on the weather conditions than Southwood. So um, I know it's going to be a little breezy, nothing crazy, but uh, I think just paying attention to the direction of the wind, um, the temperature. There's a lot of different things that can affect the golf ball. So. Um, yeah, just um, being a, being aware of your surroundings, I think, is, is the key. What part of your game is, is going really well right now, or would you prefer just to have everything uh, kind of operating efficiently and not leaning on one part of your game more than the other? Well, I mean, if everything was operating at 100%, I'd, I'd be pretty happy, but golf's not always like that. So I've, I've been really happy with my short game recently. I think I've worked on my putting the last week or two, and it's, it's picked up. I think I'm, I've done a good job at reading the greens here. 
Um, I think I've, yeah, I've made, you know, last year I was able to make quite a few birdies, so I don't think that's been the problem. I think the problem for me last year especially was too many bogeys and doubles. So if I can kind of eliminate those mistakes, hitting it not too many times in the fescue, it'll probably happen once or twice. But, you know, limited, limit, limiting those mistakes and, and missing on the, you know, the correct spots to at least try and, and make a par um, and just clean up those scorecards. If I can make them more circles and less squares, I think I'll... I mean, I'll be all right. <laughs> the thing we have to remember or remind ourselves is you are only 19 years old. I mean, uh, so I don't think you're quite prepared to look back on what you've accomplished already, <laughs> that sort of thing. But as you look forward, going to Ball State, and uh, how much does the success you have achieved so far, uh, Braxton, help you handle these type of situations and then what you're going to be going into in the fall? Yeah, um, just being able to compete in college the last couple of years, playing a couple of Canadian national events has showed me that, you know, I have the ability to compete with a lot of, of top college players and top amateurs. So I think that's a big confidence builder. I think, you know, if I can go out this week and, and make the cut, it'll, it'll prove to me again that I, I do have the game to compete. And obviously, like, like I've said, these guys are older, they've got more experience, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I can't compete with them. So as good as they are, I think the, the best thing I can do is, is focus on my own game and go out there and try and shoot the, you know, the best score I can. How many times have you played here so far this year? This would probably be my fifth or sixth time. So I've, I've probably played the course about a dozen times now, so I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with it. But, yeah. What's the biggest challenge here? Is it just the weather? Like, is it just, like, the unpredictability of that and if the wind hits? Or what is the challenge uh, of this course uh, for you in particular? I'd say the biggest challenge that stands out is the weather. Um, just because it's so open, there's no trees out here, there's nothing to protect you from Mother Nature. But at the same time, it's got some deeper bunkers than a lot of courses in Manitoba. So I think, you know, managing where I want to aim, even off teeing off and going onto the green, I think is key. Um, there's a lot of fairway bunkers where if you hit it in them, you're not going to get to the green. So um, just managing where you want to leave the ball, what side you want to miss on. Um, yeah, I'd say so. And, you know, um, in general, the greens are raised a little bit. So um, if you short side yourself, it's going to be hard to get up and down. So one thing that is kind of unique, at least on this tour, is that 17th hole. Uh, you know, Neil mentioned guys talk about it on the putting greens. And uh, as they're uh, approaching it, uh, uh, what is the most favorite memory you have uh, of your first experience with the 17th a year ago? And uh, is there anything you're looking forward to this time when you're playing it? <laughs> Uh, don't mess up, maybe. <laughs> I'll be honest, last year, it's not because of the fans. I think I got in my own head, but I bogeyed it both times. So I love the atmosphere, but I think just not letting the fans and that stuff get in my head and, you know, kind of play off the positive energy they're, that they're giving off and, you know, just have fun with it. It's it's a great setup. It's something that not a lot of, a lot of other PGA Canada events have. So just enjoying the moment. And, hey, it's, it's not something I've really experienced before. So just, just take it all in. Braxton Koontz will be in the final group to tee off Thursday afternoon at 2.40 p.m. from the first hole. As mentioned earlier in the show, fellow Manitobans Travis Fredberg and Ryan McMillan will be away at 9.30 with Morgan Barron of the Winnipeg Jets. That's off the 10th tee. And just letting you know, in case you did not know, we're going to be live on location pretty much all day Thursday for the Manitoba Open at Southwood. The start, Jets at noon, the Jim Toth Show, and the news will all be live on location, if you're wondering, Christian, but you're the sports show. Why are you live on location? The Bombers play Thursday, so I don't have a show. I'll be at the stadium. That's why. Well, we can look back. We can look ahead. John Hodge, our friend from Three Down Nation, joins us now. John, 
If I can put you on the spot, what would you say is the biggest surprise of the first half of the CFL season? I think the biggest surprise so far this year would have to be how poorly Jake Mayer has played in Calgary. I mean, I, I don't think anyone was expecting the Stampeders to win the West this year. You know, this this was a 12-6 and six team last year. However, you know, they, they were obviously, you know, behind in the standings to Winnipeg, to BC. They did not win a playoff game. They lost the West Semi out in Vancouver. But, you know, a lot of people were picking this team to go 500, you know, at, at maybe not host a playoff game, but at least make the playoffs. And right now they are four points back of a playoff spot. Saskatchewan won this past weekend. And it's not because the defense is poor. The defense has been solid. The offensive line is still good. They can run the ball well. The receivers are okay, but but Jake Mayer, eight touchdowns to 12 interceptions, hasn't thrown a touchdown pass in four consecutive games. To me, that is the biggest surprise so far this AFL season is is how poorly the Stampeders have played, and particularly the uh, the extent to which Jake Mayer would be to blame for the for that poorness, in my opinion. He is 14 of 40 on passes of 20-plus yards depth. That's awful. <laughs> It is, and I mean, Bomber fans got obviously an opportunity to watch Jake Mayer play against Winnipeg this past week, and I mean, he completed less than half of his pass attempts. He threw the interception, the pick six to Demario Houston, and everybody's entitled to a bad game, right? It's it's a long season, right? No, no one's expecting someone to go out and be perfect for 18 games in a row. Zach Kolaris is a two-time reigning CFL MOP. But but he's had you know shaky games. He's had he's had poor performances, rare as they've been. Everyone's entitled to to at least one over the course of a very long CFL season. Well, he has yet to string two good performances together. He has yet to in in his last three games he has been under 200 yards, and he's been under 200 yards in five of his ten outings so far this year. Half the time he starts, he throws for less than 200 yards in a passing league that is obviously just not going to get it done and just for comparison's sake if you if people aren't aware of the stats a 14 of 40 35 percent on those 20 plus yards depth Kolaris is 46.8 percent Vernon Adams is 47 percent Chad Kelly's 55 or 57.5 percent uh, on those depth of targets and another thing for Jake Mayer he's he's thrown maybe as many passes as anyone in the league because he's the the one team that hasn't had a quarterback injury is the Calgary Stampeders he started every game and yet they have struggled so much and, and they don't have the excuse of their quarterback being hurt like every other team has had where they've had two or even three players have to start this year. Well, and this is a team that doesn't really have that next guy. I mean, Bomber fans have, have had a front row seat to Drew Brown the last couple of weeks. He was absolutely sensational against the Edmonton Elks in a relief effort after Zach Kolaris went down with a neck injury was not fantastic obviously he'd be the first one to say it in the start this past week though obviously the bombers did get the win with brown at the helm in calgary behind jake mayer i mean jake mayer was the next guy right with bully by mitchell there the last couple of seasons they've got tommy stevens who's a behemoth runner six foot five 257 pounds but i i don't see as a future starter in this league i think he's kind of an intriguing gadget guy you know, uh, an athlete packaged in this this big, big body, this big, big frame. You know, he, he could potentially do something with that. But the the next guy they've got is Logan Bonner, who has yet to throw a regular season 
CFL pass. Could he develop into something? Potentially. He had a very prolific career at Utah State. But my point is, there's there's not a guy who's been sitting on the bench in Calgary for a couple of years now and is ready to step in and, and do do their thing. There isn't somebody like a Jake Mayer, you know, the last couple of years where, you know, they can step in and make, make something happen. So the Stampeders, who were the class of the CFL, you know, certainly five years ago, certainly 10 years ago, uh, they're, they're lacking at the game's most important position. And that's going to be something that they have to look at this offseason. It wouldn't surprise me, by the way, if they were one of the teams interested in the services of Drew Brown, because we know that Brown is a pending free agent and the chances of the Bombers being able to afford to bring him back as the backup behind Zach Kolaris are probably pretty low. And even at three and seven right now, very much in line for the crossover if they can get it together. Uh, let's go around to other parts of the league. Toronto at the top of the East. Not really a surprise there, but are you surprised how good Chad Kelly's been? I thought Chad Kelly was going to play well, but I did not anticipate that he would be playing at an MLP level, and that's what he's done. I mean, this is a team that's only played eight games because they've had three buys. That's insane. In 11 weeks, and they don't have any more. No, they're, they're done. Ten straight weeks. Uh, by the way, CFL can't get a tense team soon enough. We've got to get this schedule evened out. But he has been sensational at pushing the ball down the field. He only has five interceptions on the year. He's done a great job of protecting the ball. Toronto has turned over the ball the least this season, and it goes to show in the standings as they are 7-1 and one atop the East Division. Kelly, I think the, the, the thing that just impresses me so much is the poise. I mean, he played some very high-profile football at the college level at Ole Miss to, to finish his college career, had previously been at Clemson, but he did run into some off-field issues. He's now a little bit older, a little bit wiser, a little bit more mature at age 29, and is playing better, I think, than, than frankly, McLeod Bethel-Thompson ever did over the last couple of years. Chad Kelly kind of made his big splash last season in the Grey Cup after McLeod Bethel-Thompson went down. Apologies to Bomber fans for reminding them of that fourth quarter in Regina last year's Grey Cup. But, um, you know, I, again, I thought Kelly would be good. Ryan Dinwiddie, I think, has done a very nice job with that team's offense. But I did not anticipate him being an MOP frontrunner. And I think right now, if the season wrapped, he would certainly be the MOP in the East Division, and he might even win that award on the league level. Montreal in second place in the East at 6-3. and three. I don't know many people that thought they'd be good this year. I'm not sure they are good, but at 6-3, and three, you have to take note coming in here Thursday night against the Bombers. How have they done it so far in putting together a solid campaign? Well, this is a team that uh, had their, their three losses come kind of in the middle of their season so far, but they came to Winnipeg, BC, and Toronto, who I think, you know, one way or another, you can't argue. Those are the top three teams in the CFL right now and really have been all season. Their six wins have come against everybody else. So to be this team needs to prove that they can beat some top-tier teams, and they have that opportunity right now. They're in Winnipeg, of course, on Thursday. After that, they play against BC and then a home-and-home home with Toronto. So that's four straight games upcoming and in my opinion, if they're going to get first place in the East, and they are technically only two points back, albeit with a game in hand on the Toronto Argonauts, they are going to need to go, I think, at least two and two in this stretch. Tough to do it this week. Obviously, it's hard to play at IG Field. 
You've got Zach Kolaris likely coming back from injury to start for the home team, and the Alouettes are coming off of a short week after beating the Ottawa Red Blacks this past Saturday in the nation's capital. But how have they done it? I mean, they've done it with, I think, swarming defense. Noel Thorpe has done a very nice job with that unit. They don't do a lot of, of funky blitzing to try to get sacks. They're actually ranked last in the league in sacks. But what they do really well is rally to the football and do a great job of covering space. And then offensively, you know, they've done just enough, I think. The, the run game has not been as solid as it's been in past years. William Stanback has been fine, but certainly nowhere near the all-star level he was at in 2019. And But the receiving core has had some guys really step up. I mean, this receiving core lost Eugene Lewis this past offseason in free agency to Edmondson, and what else made him the highest-paid non-quarterback in the league. And I think if you put the Owls, you know, you, if, you, if you gave them some truth serum, I don't think they would be shedding any tears. I think they'd be perfectly happy for Eugene Lewis to have left and taken the money at Edmonton because between Austin Mack and Tyler Sneed, they've had some young players really step up. But also throw Keon Julian Grant into that mix, a Canadian who's in his fourth year and is really finally breaking out after being a second-round pick originally out of St. FX. So it's a balanced team. It's a team that I don't think is ever too high, never gets too low. They play sound football. They Their punt team is really good. Um, so, you know, they're, they're solid, but they're going to have to show that they can beat some top-tier teams if they're going to make it far this year. And as you mentioned, they got a gauntlet coming up against the best teams. And it's top three, and I think there's a giant cavern between them and the rest of the league. Right now, Saskatchewan's fourth based on record, and they're – I mean, their quarterback play, it was not great with Mason Fine. Jake Dolagala got the job done against BC in a huge win for the Riders this past weekend. But how far can they go with Dolagala at quarterback? Well, Jake Dolagala, six foot seven, right, 240 pounds. Not not crazy mobile, but certainly not not slow. Like he's he is an athlete. Went undrafted at a Central Connecticut, a school at the, the I believe it's the FCS level, but that doesn't necessarily produce a lot of NFLers, but did get a look with a number of NFL teams. He played for the Bengals in 2019 and then had some cups of coffee with the Patriots, I believe the Packers and, and the Dolphins as well before coming north in 2022. So you can look at him and, and see all the tools that he has in place. You can see why NFL teams coveted him from talking to people around the league the thing that he he really lacks is just that consistency he's he's able to do amazing things with his arm and we saw some of those flashes this past game with a touchdown pass to sam emelis a great throw to key and schaefer baker for for schaefer baker's first touchdown of the year but the question is can he do it consistently and you know that's that's going to be the test that he faces the club is on a bye at the moment mason fine Initially, head coach Craig Dickinson indicated he'd be out two to three weeks with a hamstring. He's now been out one week. The bye will be the second week. Labor Day Classic, we'll see what happens. If I was a betting man, I'd probably bet that Jake Dolagala is under center. But, of course, we don't know that yet. So, you know, the quarterback position I, I don't think has ever been a real strength for Saskatchewan this year. Trevor Harris was kind of fine. To start the year, Mason Fine was really shaky out of the gate, showed some improvement before he got hurt. Dolagala started hot. We'll have to see what happens from there. But to me, the strength of this team 
is definitely that defensive line. Anthony Lanier, Micah Johnson's playing good football. Pete Robertson is consistent. They've done a really nice job with that front four, front seven defensively. That, to me, is what this team is going to need to be dominant if they're going to make inroads long-term this season. Because when the guys up front are pressuring opposing quarterbacks and wreaking havoc up front, that secondary can eat when it comes time to turn over the football and generate some takeaways to, to give that offense some favorable field positions. So that's what I'm watching for for Saskatchewan. And the Bombers are going to have to be prepared for that. I know it's only two weeks away, but the Labor Day Classic, Winnipeg, they did a very nice job, I think, minimizing the pass rush from Saskatchewan all the way back in week two when these two teams met in Regina. The Bombers will have to do that again in what's going to be, I'm sure, a very hostile territory for the annual Labor Day Classic. Well, let's finish on the Blue Bombers, 8-2. and two. They have not been the dominant team like 2021 where they were just miles ahead of everybody. Last year, again, they set a franchise record for wins in a season and a bunch of wacky stuff happened in the Grey Cup or else it would have been a three-peat. Here they are, maybe not crushing teams, but 8-2, and two, your overall thoughts on what you've seen through 10 games from Winnipeg. Well, I, I don't think that this team is as dominant as it's been in the last couple of years. I think the offensive line has taken a little bit of a step back. Um, it's It's been nice to see Kenny Lawler back in the lineup, but the receiving core, they, they're just having trouble getting everybody kind of going at the same time. Um, but I think you have to be very impressed with Brady Oliveira. I think he's playing the best football of his career so far. Defensively, I think Willie Jefferson's as good as ever. Some of their other veterans have maybe taken a little bit of a step back, but Sergio Castillo has certainly really solidified that kicking position, and then Jamison Sheehan has been very good as a rookie punter. So all in all, I I would say this club has taken a very small step back, but they are still certainly as good as anybody else, and one could argue they're the best team in the CFL right now. My prediction before the season was for them to finish 13-5, and and, uh, I'm sticking with that. I mean, that, that means in the second half, or at least... With their eight remaining games, they've only got to go five and three. And the schedule is not terribly daunting. They've got one matchup against Toronto in late September. They get the BC Lions in early October. Outside of that, the the, the three toughest games are the ones they've got coming up, which is Montreal and then Saskatchewan twice. So, you know, if you can get through those games, even just at two and three, that gets you at 10 and three with five games remaining. And those games include dates with Hamilton, Edmonton and Calgary, which certainly you'd think you can sweep. So I think they're in a very good position. And, and that certainly was enhanced by the lions getting upset on Sunday by the riders. So the bombers have a little bit of breathing room in that West division standings. However, of course, they're going to have to take care of business on October 6th when they visit the BC Lions in Vancouver, because that game is obviously not only worth two points in the West Division standings, but it will also decide the season series between the two teams, which is critical come playoff time if this team wants to host the West Final for a third straight season. Appreciate your time as always, John. Thanks for this, and we'll see you at the game on Thursday. Thanks for having me, Christian. That's John Hodge. You can find his great work at Three Down Nation, and it's going to be a good one, I think, Thursday. Probably. Cody Fajardo hasn't had a ton of success in this building, but we'll see. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. 
We're available on iTunes and other places, I'd imagine. So farewell until we meet again. So long and thanks for all the fish. So sad that it should come to this. We try to warn you over the day. You may not share our intellect, which might explain your business.